Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Spider-Man Years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonya Rappaport. And today, Sonya, I'm putting on my special voice for the 100th overall <laughs> episode of the X-Men Task Podcast. Your thoughts? Happy centennial episode. Sonya, did you ever think we'd get to 100 episodes? I really never thought about it. Me neither. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the 100th overall episode of the show, um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I- I'm just happy. <laughs> if you do say so yourself. I mean, just to like, uh, you know, brief recap on why we're doing this and why we're here. The reason I started this podcast was because no other podcasts covering the X-Men animated series existed. And um, I just wanted to hear that podcast. So because there was none out there, we had to make one ourselves. We had to. Right. We had to. There's no choice. <laughs> and um, and now every single episode of the original X-Men series is, is talked about, recorded, and in the bank in an archive for people to enjoy and listen, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. So if you've been listening with us or if you just started listening, thanks. Yes, thank you very much. We soldier on into the Spider-Man years, as I mentioned. This episode, the Alien Costume Part 2. Uh, last week, we erroneously said this was a two-parter. Right, yeah. We were excited about a two-parter, but turns out it's a three-parter. Right, so we get uh, an extra third amount of fun. Um, but this is the middle entry into the series. And this one starts off on a pretty different note. The last time that we saw Spider-Man at the end of the first part of the series... He was on the verge of killing Rhino with this huge iron door, and he caught himself, and he was like, uh-oh, I'm insane. And he threw the door away, and he like ran away, and he didn't commit any murders. Right. It seemed that he was realizing that he has to get rid of the suit right away. Right. But in this one, when we open up again, it's almost like he forgot that lesson because he's up to some very menacing stuff here. Right. He's still pretty insane. He still has his Spider-Man madness. Uh, they remind the audience that the million dollar bounty that uh, Jameson put on his head still stands so a whole bunch of like weird paramilitary army dudes are chasing him and uh, this is making Peter extra angry so uh, you know he's like his mood's definitely inconsistent but it's not I don't think that's the fault of the writing I think that's just the story playing out Mm -hmm. Um, some Details we noticed in this one that I didn't really catch in the last one, a small one anyway, is that I like how the web slingers come out of the top of his uh, hands instead of underneath his wrists. Oh, I feel like we talked about that because he has the squares on the top of his hands. Right, I think we mentioned the squares, but I didn't think I mentioned that the that's where the webs come out of. They explain neat. something about that, don't they? Well, don't they, they say like he, the suit makes the webs. Right. Which is strange because they shoot out the regular gray spider webs. They don't shoot out black goo like you think they would. Yeah. And I think, which we'll later see with Venom, maybe. Maybe not in the show. I think actually Venom might have gray webs in the show, too. But in other, like, Venom media, when he's swinging around, he uses black goop. Well, we do see that once in this show. Right. I mean, in this episode. That's from other parts of his body. Yeah. But anyway, it's kind of like an interesting thing to notice. Huh. Um, He's attacked by these army guys. They look like G.I. Joe commandos or something. Uh, They shoot him with the sonic energy guns, and it causes him tremendous amounts of pain. How do they know that? I think think there's, like, some casual line where they say, like, oh, let's try the sonic gun on him. Nothing else is working. Um, I don't know. It's like a last resort thing, and it just happens to be his weakness. Right. But then Spider-Man discovers uh, that the suit has cruise control, his words. Yeah. Like, uh, a black goose shoots up from his back, and... Like takes him to a ledge. Him away, yeah. Right, and uh, he's pretty pleased about that. 
Uh, meanwhile, he heads back to Jameson's office because he wants to clear his name because his bounty is driving him nuts, clearly. <laughs> it's like when you get 10 stars in Grand Theft Auto, uh, you know, when the military starts coming after you, you know, like, you're in a lot of trouble. So uh, he goes to the root of his problems, which is J. Jonah Jameson, who put the bounty on him in the first place. Brock's in the office, too. He confronts the both of them. Uh, Spider-Man mentions that Rhino was the one who really stole the Prometheum X. Uh, Jameson thinks he's crazy. Um, Spider-Man is, like, acting really threatening towards the both of them. Uh, so much so that, like, Jameson gets afraid and he pushes the security button under his desk. Uh and then his guards come in Spider-Man you know jumps away easily throws a desk at them to divert them or something and jumps out the window and runs away right uh, so um, there's like a funny moment where Jameson like looks out the window and says as bad as he was before in that suit he's even worse I feel like that voice is extra disgruntled. <laughs> I think he doesn't have that disgruntled voice. It's just a New York accent. There's just something weird about that line to me where he's almost daring kids to buy the new Spider-Man action figure that has the black suit instead of the regular suit, you know? Like, he's even worse now. Like, yeah. a challenge to, like, get the the evil Spider-Man version or something? Yeah, something. There's just something odd about that line, the way he would comment on his suit as if it he realizes I mean obviously he realizes that his personality is a little different than it normally is Yeah. but the fact that he connects it to the new suit is just strange he didn't say anything to connect it to the suit he's just saying he's worse now so he could mean his personality has gotten worse you know what it, you know what it is this is what it reminds me of when Michael Jackson came back from Thriller uh-huh. and his next album was Bad <laughs> <laughs> And he tried to be bad, you uh, know, and he is like a le- all leather outfit. And he's like, wow, I'm, re- I'm like so hard and tough now. Uh-huh. And Martin Scorsese is going to direct my next music video. And Wesley Snipes will be the bad guy in the music video. But uh-huh. I'm going to prove that I'm more bad than he is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's classic. It's classic, classic, like bad makeover, you know, yeah. like Britney Spears did it. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's just an element of that going on. All right, so anyway, uh, this episode really slingshots around between various plot points. So we're back in Kingpin's lair in the Chrysler building. Him and Smythe are testing the Prometheum X. Uh, He cuts off, like, a tiny dust particle of it, and they blow it up in a laboratory. Uh, And Smythe declares that it's the most powerful, like, element in the universe or something. Mm -hmm. More destructive than anything anyone's ever seen. The fact that he declares the most powerful... like anything out there seems kind of like hyperbole or something (laughs) but I get he's a scientist so let's just agree that that's accurate Um, my question is and this might be explained in part three and so I might might be a total idiot right now just for not remembering but the symbiote is it made of the same stuff as the Prometheum X I don't think so Prometheum X isn't alive is it no but like on the moon they're digging around uh, Colonel Jameson on the moon, the son of JJ, he f- like is pickaxing the moon and he discovers this black rock. <laughs> yeah. He, I guess he sort of like picks it up or yanks it out of the moon and then the black goose starts gushing out from under it. Uh-huh. So is the Prometheum X just like hardened, solidified, dead symbiote that was protecting like a live symbiote? Possible. It's just or like, like entombing that live symbiote. Right, yeah. So what, like, whether my... it's purposeful or accidental is 
speculative. Yeah, my question to all you Spider-Man experts out there, what's the deal between the Prometheum (laughs) X and the symbiote? Are they two separate things? Like, did they make two random discoveries in the exact same place that they're both black-colored but they have nothing to do with each other? Or Is there actually a relationship between them? There has to be, right? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. (laughs) So someone let us know. Um, Anyway, so... Uh, then we visit another scientist. Peter decides to visit his pal, Dr. Connors, in his lab to get his suit tested. Um, in the comic books, he goes to see Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. to get the suit tested. But here it's Dr. Connors. Uh, this is a really neat scene all around because at first they're trying to cut off a piece of the suit. And Dr. Connors is like, what do you mean I can't cut it off or something like that? Uh, and you see it like worming around. It doesn't want to be cut off Peter's body. Mm-hmm. They do manage to get a sample. Uh and Connors is running his tests on it. And then there's, like, a really cool shot of Spider-Man hanging out. Just perched on the wall. Yeah. So this is one of Spider-Man's cool relaxation powers <laughs> <laughs> that we were talking about while we were watching. How he could just sort of, you know, get into a, I guess, like a catcher's pose yeah. on, on a He can just vertical... really strike a comfortable pose no matter where he is. Right, and just sort of lean against the wall and sit on his own butt and haunches. Right. So, like, his feet are the sticky part or, like, his butt sticky? That's a good question. Like, to... <laughs> is, I think all Spider-Man's body is sticky. Uh-huh. I don't think it's limited to just his hands and feet. And it's... We're assuming that his suit is made of some special material or anyway, not, but yeah. it's, like, permeable so that the stickiness factor goes through it. Well, anyway, I think he could sit that way with his regular Spider-Man suit or just, like, even in his boxer shorts. I don't think he needs any kind of suit... Or anything. No, 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 not that he needs the suit, but that whatever that is goes through the suit, goes through the, the fabric of the suit. Wait, did we talk about this already? That it's not exactly that it's sticky, but it's been explained in some Spider-Man mm-hmm. stories. You're talking about his skin. Yeah, that it's more like Velcro, like his skin has like microscopic hooks. No, that's that's from the Spider-Man movie, uh, the first one with Tobey Maguire. They zoom into his fingers and they show the, the Velcro hooks come out of his fingertips. Yeah, is that from somewhere else or did no, they make I, that up for that? I think they made it up for that because I think in the comics it's explained that his body exudes some kind of electrostatic force or something huh. that allows him to stick to objects. Huh. And uh, that explanation itself might have changed throughout the years. I'm not entirely sure. But it, it's not like... It's not it w- like he's secreting some kind of weird mucus everywhere he goes. Right, because you often see Spider-Man running up a building with his sneakers on. Yeah. So if he had to, like, have... The hooks ho- wouldn't go through the sneakers. Right, yeah, or other, like, parts of clothing. But when they explain it that it's an electrostatic force, then it's kind of like... you're like, all right. He just magically can attach himself to any dimension. Right. Right. Because all of us are just like, what's an electrostatic force? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's not, I don't even know if electrostatic is the right... It's some kind of magical, like, energy field around him. Right. Much like Spider-Man's eyeballs, where it's not just laser beams coming out. It's like some vortex dimensional uh, gateway. Spider-Man's uh, eyes? Not Spider-Man. Cyclops oh. from X-Men. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, Spider-Man's relaxed on a wall. <laughs> They're testing the suit. Um... Connors tells him it's alive, it's a sentient creature, a symbiote that's sort of like invading the host body, which is him, and changing his personality, making him more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man, you know, acknowledges this, but he says, I, you know, I can't get rid of it just yet. Uh, or Connors says, get rid of it. I, I like that line reading of that actor. Yeah. Uh, he says, I can't get rid of it just yet. I, I have things to do with it. Right. So it's kind of, you feel that he's 
either the suit's taking over his mind or he's just getting greedy with the power the suit gives him. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, at Colonel Jameson's bedside, he's still in and out of a coma after his shuttle crash. Uh, his dad hears him mumbling about the rhino. Uh, which is more coherent rumblings than he had in the last episode where he just mumbled about Spider-Man, which Mm. was the impetus to the bounty. Uh, So this, in J.J.'s mind, confirms Spider-Man's story, which outrages him. He fires Brock in his office for, quote, distorting the facts. (laughs) He's like, I can't, my whole reputation's on the line. I can't have my journalists, you know, distorting the facts, which again uh, goes to... Uh, show that J.J. is more of an honest journalist than he's presented as often. Mm-hmm. That he seems to be running a, a fairly straight-shooting uh, newspaper. It's hard-edged in a way, but it's not exactly a, a truth a distorter. It's not fake news, the bugle. Mm-hmm. So, And speaking to which, he'll, he goes on air and humbles himself and says, the bounty's off, I was wrong about it, You know, I regret doing this, but uh, it is enough for him to you know, do the right thing. Uh, Meanwhile, we see Eddie Brock now, who's become like a prominent character in this episode. He's mumbling to himself, walking back to his home. He's blaming Spider-Man for all his life troubles. So according to Eddie, he's lost his job, his reputation, and then he starts sneezing along the way. So he says, my health and my apartment, because he's got like an eviction notice like right in the front door. Right. And he can't get into his house. Right. I guess they changed the locks on him. Does he own a brownstone? No. Well, it's the front door of the apartment building. It's not... Like, he doesn't go into a building and climb up the uh, stairs. I don't know. Maybe he has a brownstone or... Well, not anymore. Not anymore, right. So, he's evicted, uh, and Spider-Man has a new enemy because Eddie Brock has blamed all his life problems on him now, too. Mm, just what Spider-Man needs. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is sneaking in through the back of Eddie's apartment. Um, he gets in through a window. He's still wearing the Venom costume, and he's searching all around every, like, crevice and drawer of Eddie's apartment until he finally <laughs> finds the... Breaking and entry is one of Spider-Man's greatest skills, as we're going to see later in this episode, Yeah, too. he is really good at it. Um, in the really shower cavalier. head, he finally finds the roll of film that he was looking for, the evidence. That's a really cool, sneaky place that Eddie Brock hid that hid that secret film. How the heck did Spider-Man know to check there? I don't know. It's not like his... I don't think his Spider-Sense would tell him where hidden stuff is, necessarily, yeah. unless he's in danger. Um... But Weird. yeah, but anyway, Spider-Man's sneaky and clever. He finds the hidden film uh, on the outside, on the street outside of Eddie Brock's apartment. We're introduced to another villain that's not given a backstory, and this time it's the Shocker. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Is. I I, lo- I love the Shocker's look. Uh-huh. It's incredibly classic and weird and colorful. It's very distinctive, yeah. And and if you really break it down, it's quite funny and, like, what the hell's going on with this costume? Mm-hmm. Do you want to describe what it looks like? Well, he's got on... It, I can't tell if it's two bodysuits or what, but a yellow base <laughs> that right. covers his entire mouth. You can't see, right. like... You can see his eyes, but his not... His lower as, face at all. Right. And... I don't know, maybe it's part of that fabric, or maybe it's a separate piece of fabric on top. It is a bodysuit that's like a very wide-weave fishnet sort of thing (laughs) in black. Right. And then on top of that, he's got like a leotard. Right, that cuts down. Also in black, 
with that, like a very plunging neckline, right? That cuts down to his belly button. It kind of looks <laughs> like the the bathing suit Borat wore. Yeah, right. Uh, but I mean, he has it over the yellow part of his costume. But mm-hmm. um, and I guess he has like red boots or red gloves or something. Yeah, both, and his, I think. And he doesn't have any superpowers. He's just some guy with laser beams attached to his arms. Well, not laser beams, but. Shocker gloves. Right. That's not part of his body, right? That's like some invention that he made. Yeah. 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 I don't know where he got it. I don't know if he made it, but, uh, you know, you saw in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie, they have a Shocker character and it's just some like futuristic alien tech that he has. But his costume, it looks bizarre. It looks great, though. It's it's a great design. It's very distinctive. Uh, great voice on the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the costume itself... There's a logic to it in the sense it's supposed to absorb the static electricity something, you know? Mm. The weave is there. It's part of just, like, his insulation. Oh, another electrostatic tech thing. So I I guess then they have, like, a little fight on the street there. Right. Spider-Man hears Shocker going after Eddie Brock, and he, like, actually jumps back out the window and rushes to his defense. They have a little bit of a fight, and then cut to Shocker is back in the Kingpin's lair with Smythe. Right. And Spider-Man is standing outside, and he's like, mm, better climb in through the air vent. And then he's like, no, wait a minute, that's the old Spider-Man. He's <laughs> still got the Venom suit on. Right. And he decides to just bust down the door and, like, run in there. And then Smythe says, how did you get in here? Which is really a... <laughs> Uh, 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 almost like a foreshadowing of one of Spider-Man's main things he's going to do in the series, which is bust his way into secret labs and bases and lairs, despite, like, tons of defenses and everything, and just cause a whole bunch of chaos, which is what happens next, because Shocker immediately starts (laughs) blasting him and blowing up the laboratory, and Spider-Man's just hopping around, doing whatever he pleases. He grabs the Prometheum X and runs away. But I just love that element to the show that Spider-Man's able to, like, bust in to these laboratories and to these well-defended bases, like, seemingly out of nowhere, and cause instant chaos amongst guards and soldiers and supervillains and everybody. And he just drives everyone nuts. And it's almost, <laughs> it's easy for him to do this. Mm-hmm. It's the, He's never really sweating too much when he's the one breaking and entering. So this is, I, I'm not even sure this is the first of, example of this, but it's... It's uh, it's very prominent, and it just reminds me that going forward, we're going to have a lot more like great scenes like that. So, uh, chaos ensues. Uh, Spider-Man steals the Prometheum X. He takes it back to, to his house in Queens, where he analyzes it in his computer. Uh, he's got quite the little setup there. It's an incredible computer. At first, it looks like he puts it under a microscope. Well, he does, yeah. So, it looks like... He's got, like, an incredibly powerful microscope. Connected to his computer. Right. But then his computer screen starts showing detail, like, down to the parts of the atom. Right. So maybe it's, like, a simulation sort of thing, like a 3D modeling program that he has in there. I don't know. He's got uh, some incredibly powerful hardware that you wouldn't think he'd be able to afford or have access to in his room in Queens. Basically, maybe he gets a license from the lab. Yeah, that, I guess that's possible. But still, to to be able in the mid '90s to have 3D graphics in real time, like the ones displayed, or an electron microscope, right? Maybe. That too, like none of it adds up. But it, <laughs> hey, it's it's a cartoon. It's it's a comic book. It's it's uh it's it's a stretch. It's futuristic. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, Smythe tells Kingman that Spider-Man stole the Promethean X, and I like the way Kingpin like always responds to these setbacks with just more planning. 
you know, instead he's of real just, optimistic, right? Instead of just throwing a fit, he's just like, get it back, you know. And, and it's just like the plan, the the action just keeps swinging like a crazy pendulum. So Kingpin orders the Pr- Prometheum X stolen back. Uh, he says, take the whole city hostage if you have to. Uh, Samai says, oh, that's a good idea. So instead of doing that, and I, I didn't know if they were going to cook up some crazy plan to like say, hey, Spider-Man, we're going to like blow up the whole city unless you give us the Prometheum X. Um, they decide to kidnap uh, Colonel Jameson, the astronaut, and then uh, they tell JJ about that, and JJJ is forced to go on the air. <laughs> It's right both ways. Right. I, I stuttered JJ and it came out as JJJ. Uh, he's forced to go in the air and plead for his son's life, begging Spider-Man to, to, to you know, uh, meet him at a location so they can rescue his son, trade the Prometheum X for his son's life. Spider-Man agrees to this, which leads to a very funny scene, which is very reminiscent of the cartoons of the, the 60s, where there's just like this flat shot of Spider-Man driving in J. Jonah Jameson's car. <laughs> right. Like he's in the passenger seat and they're just like pulling up to wherever this location is. Right. You're imagining that he's like been in the car for a solid 15 minutes making small talk with Yeah, him, it's a like, really so, uh, awkward car ride. How about those Mets? <laughs> yeah. Um, Spider-Man gives Smythe back the Prometheum X, uh... And Spider-Man's like, okay, give us Jameson back. I'm going to guard his exit with his father so you don't try any funny stuff, Smythe. And I'm just kind of surprised that Spider-Man just doesn't grab the Prometheum X right back out of Smythe's hands two seconds later. No, I mean, he's honorable, so I feel like he completed a bargain with them, and he still doesn't want anything to happen to the Jamesons, so he's going to like keep up his end of the bargain, you know? Yeah. I just thought like the line he delivers is very weird, how J.J. and his son are exiting, and he's like, I'll cover you from behind. It's, like, very... <laughs> so, like, militaristic. It's right. weird. But, I mean, Spider-Man really here is being more clever than, I think, uh, we're led to believe. Because Kingpin hints later that Spider-Man must have known the Prometheum X is bunk. Mm. Because they analyze it later back in the lab and they say it's, it's transmuted into lead. Right. Its half-life was only a, a few cu- days. Right. But Smythe didn't have a chance to analyze right. it so it was that. Right. It was probably set up by Spider-Man. He... I guess he wouldn't have agreed to do this trade without that. But right. still, it's kind of funny, though, um, that Smythe just, just sort of, like, floats away in his floating Professor X chair. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the Shocker drops in. Spider-Man, like, despite that, he's quite surprised by the double cross. Yeah. And Well, no, he's not. He's like, oh, a double cross, what a surprise, like, something like that. Right, yeah, maybe that's not the, the good word, but his mean side gets really activated again. Right. He turns into mega asshole Spider-Man. Um, almost like a professional wrestler. He has all these insane lines like, I am invincible! Shocker! Shocker! He's just like, <laughs> screaming at him, You can't escape me! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! Right. How much of that is Spider-Man? How much of that is Venom? Right. So, you know, Peter's losing his mind. They're fighting, like, around up and around this bell tower. Um, he, you know, he takes care of Shocker fairly easily. He busts his shocking gloves, mm. breaks off the technology on them. And much like Rhino, Shocker is like, okay, I give up. Uh, Spider-Man's like, there's no giving up. And he's like, wait, you're the good guy. And so at this moment, he's like holding him over an edge, uh, over the ledge. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man thinks to himself again, like with Rhino, he's like, wait, I'm about to kill this guy. I, I got to step back. This is going crazy. But this is a really cool moment. Because the alien suit takes over and decides to kill Shocker. Yeah, it pushes him over the edge. <laughs> right, the suit, like, shoots out some more black goop and knocks Shocker over. Right. So Spider-Man has to save him. 
Um, For any of you film fans out there, this scene reminded me a lot of um, the famous you know bell tower scene in Vertigo. Right, it, like the, yeah, the climactic the of scene. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't. I, I doubt that was on purpose. It, it's just like there's something cinematic about uh, a confrontation in a bell tower. Let's say yeah. that much. More uh, stupidly than your uh, high-minded reference, it reminds me of a Batman animated series show. I know, that's show. the next thing I thought of, too. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's, like, lost in a dream, and he's fighting the Mad Hatter. Right. And they're in a bell tower, and Bruce Wayne has to kill himself to wake up from the dream, which yeah. is, like, pro- probably my favorite episode of the entire series overall. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> cut back to Spider-Man. The suit has just pushed Shocker over the edge and Spider-Man's like, oh my god, what's happening? Right. And he like realizes it again in the nick of time. He shoots his own web down to suspend Shocker like right before he touches the ground right, and saves yeah. him. And also uh, we should mention that Eddie Brock was tailing Jameson this time too and he's at the at the, the bell tower area as well. He was he had, he also he helped Shocker attack Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man webbed him up real quick underneath the bell, which keep that in mind because Spider-Man, he now wants to get the suit off because it's totally full-on murderous. He realizes that sound causes it pain. Because so the bell is ringing and the, f- the suit's like freaking out a little bit and he's like, oh, this is the thing. Right. So he gets close to the bell. The, the suit falls off Spider-Man's body. I like how it, it turns into like a black goo creature with a face. Yeah, it's really cool. Right, just like in his dream he had in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, Peter, I get he's in his underpants, but he's relieved that he's free of the suit's uh, menace. But the suit, like, it collapses even further from its, like, human form into black goo again. Right. Because the sound's just too much for it. It tries to get a hold of Peter again to become his symbiote again, but Peter manages to get free, and the goo starts to drip into the cracks of the floor underneath the bell. And I guess, like, we could blame Peter for not... I mean, I guess he's afraid that his identity is going to be revealed, so he has to run away because he's no longer covered. Mm. But still, you're going to just leave this dangerous goo there and not try to recover it. But what's he going to do with it? I mean, he has to do something to do... I mean, he can't just leave it in this public space Mm. and allow it to fall on somebody else. That is very irresponsible. Unless he thinks it's just dead from the sonic blast. Mm. But anyway, the goo drips onto Eddie Brock, um, and he'll turn into Venom. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's how the episode ends at the very end, that yeah. we see Eddie Brock turn to Venom and a newspaper blows onto him and you see Spider-Man. And he's like, oh, Spider-Man, now we can finally get him. Mm. Uh, the suit is quite pissed at Peter Parker, I guess, for rejecting him. It, it holds his own personal grudge. Oh, I thought it was just that Eddie Brock has a very strong grudge and the suit is like... It's, it's a combination. Both the suit and Eddie Brock are... Like united in their hatred of Peter Parker and right. Spider-Man, which is kind of interesting. But 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 that's the end of the episode. But there is one last scene before that where Kingpin is um, hanging back at the base with Smythe. That's where they're testing the Prometheum X and they discover it's bunk. I just wanted to mention that it's kind of funny because he's two of his buyers are there and one guy is like a G.I. Joe reject with this weird like blue mask with a ponytail or like a bandana ponytail coming out the back and the other guy just looks like a like a low level street thug from a Nintendo fighting game Mm. that you'd beat up in Double Dragon (laughs) you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I just think that's funny because like in the previous episode Kingpin was saying this is the most valuable substance in the world I've got buyers lined up right these are like the prestigious buyers yeah they're like two weird goons one in a dumb costume and one in like a a weird like puffy jacket Mm. 
Anyway, so that's the end of that episode. It ends on a to-be-continued note. Again, another solid, fast-paced, crazy entry into this miniseries here. Um, so much going on, so hard to recap, so hard to discuss uh, coherently. <laughs> uh, Sonia and I had quite a bit of trouble recording this one <laughs> because we just kept like leaving out details and having to go back and, and uh, fix our mistakes. So, Thanks for bearing with us if you made it. <laughs> right. Um, any final thoughts on this episode in general? I mean, like, I feel like we covered it all, but... I mean, it's just like, I mean, these are, again, just one of the more classic episodes of the series, much like the Phoenix Saga. Although this is coming out in season one with Hot and Heavy, so. Yeah, right. It's funny because with all those X-Men runs that were two-parters or, or more, we kept being like, oh, if only these were all strung together and made into a movie, this would be a great capsule storyline. <laughs> and here, it's like, there's a couple to say of movies. the same thing, but it, it's... Yeah, exactly. It's been done. <laughs> yeah, they made it into a couple of movies. Um, I mean, Spider-Man 3 is not beloved. I, I wouldn't say it's hated, though, either. It's just kind of hard to rewatch because it's long and it's overwrought. And um, no one in the acting crew seems like their heart's in it anymore, which mm-hmm. is kind of a shame because Spider-Man 2 was so good. So, you know, and the Venom storyline was tacked on in that movie. Sam Raimi did not want to do Venom. I think the studio, like, forced it on him. So that's, you know, that movie has its problems. We'll get to that one day. And then the Venom movie itself, like, it was a big hit and people liked it. And I kind of enjoyed it in a passive way. I I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was totally enjoyable. But my comment on that is that it's not the story we just saw here. I mean, the Venom story is connected to Spider-Man. So to excise Spider-Man from the Venom story is a little strange and Sony wants to do that with a lot of their characters. It seems like they want to do a Morbius movie, a Craven the Hunter movie. And will Tom Holland swing in as Spider-Man in those films? Like, probably not. Mm. So, you know, it's like without Spider-Man, I don't know how strongly these things hold up on their own. But, uh, I mean, the Venom movie was a hit, so that's that. So that's my final commentary for this episode. Uh, I'd like to remind people they could follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Uh, they could rate us five stars on their local podcast service. That would go a long way to helping us out. And lastly, and most importantly, they should join the X-Men Task Podcast Facebook group uh, on Facebook um, where you can interact with us and all our other fans and talk about, um, you know, what the deal with, with Perithium X and the symbiote is. Symbiote? Symbiote? I don't know how to pronounce it. People on the X-Men Test Podcast <laughs> Facebook group can tell us how to pronounce that, too. Uh, lastly, again, I want to say thank you again for uh, getting us through 100 episodes. Um, we couldn't have done without our fans who have encouraged and supported us since the beginning, which is really wonderful. And um, Yeah, it's been really fun. Yes, it has. Um, Sonia, any final words before we go? Happy 100, and cheers to 100 more. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.